David Eichel here for HawkeyeInsider.com. Before we dive into this Swarmcast episode with Illini Acquire Jeremy Werner, who is kind enough to join me, I just want to take a moment and thank all of you for the support over the past 13 months. It's been quite a journey. Hawkeye Insider is doing better than ever, and we are only going to continue to get better. With that being said, get 60% off an annual subscription to HawkeyeInsider.com for the most in-depth coverage of Iowa football, basketball, recruiting, Get the scoop, get the discussion that you can't find anywhere else. Again, limited time offer, 60% off an annual subscription. Your support means the world, and it truly helps us continue to expand our coverage. Now, let's dive in this episode of the Swarmcast with Jeremy Werner. Welcome back into the On Enquirer podcast, and this is a long-awaited showdown between two now rivals, and we get to see it prime time, 8 p.m. Central Time Friday on FS1 National Television, as this game should be. And we do have two ranked opponents, so uh, these are two very good teams. Uh, but number seven, Iowa comes in with a better record at 12 and three overall, six and two in the Big Ten, in second place in the Big Ten behind Michigan, which won't play basketball for a while. And then Illinois is at number 19, a little disappointing, 10 and five on the season, six and three in the Big Ten, still tied for third place. And if they win this game, all of a sudden they're in second place. So uh, two teams battling out as we thought uh, for in the Big Ten title race, maybe not as good of a record as maybe some people thought for, for especially Illinois, but maybe for Iowa for some people. Uh, but Michigan obviously has shown itself to be a Big Ten title contender as well. There's some other teams in the mix. Uh, but David Eicholt uh, from Iowa 24-7 joining me here, Hawkeye Insider and um, – yeah, Illinois hasn't played in 10 days. Iowa hasn't played in eight days here, David. So we're yeah. we're really – I really could have used like a warm-up for this game. But all of a sudden, <laughs> we're just going to throw these guys in and go, here's the biggest game of the year for both of you. Yeah, no, I'm in full agreement with you too because Iowa, it's interesting to me because obviously, like you said, they, they've been on eight days rest and they've basically been sitting on that Indiana loss, which was a, you know a shocking loss to me. And the way that whole game kind of unfolded, it was really weird to me. But, I mean, this is a game where I, I know you were in the same boat as I was. We've had this circled since the schedule came out. And it's unfortunate, like you said, that they only play one time. And I know that Iowa is going to be pre-locked in. I know Luca Garza specifically is going to be locked in for that showdown with Kofi Coburn. And I am absolutely ecstatic. And I might just have my eyes glued to those two the entire game. And that's going to be so much fun to watch. But, you know, despite – like you said, with the records being a little bit different, I think that this is still could be the most intense Big Ten basketball game of the year. When it's all said and done, I certainly think it will be up until this point, even without the fans. I think that both teams want blood. They want to kill each other. And with the way the last game ended, I mean, I still think this is going to live up to everything you and I have hyped it up to be from all season long. I I cannot wait for this game tomorrow. Yeah, I hope so. Like, I, I loved – the intensity of, of this battle. And I think, you know, you mentioned Kofi Coburn and, and Luca Garza. I think for Kofi Coburn, Luca Garza was a wake up call to him about how hard you have to work in the big 10. I've always mentioned this. Like if you just spotlight Luca Garza during a game, just how early he's getting position, how early he's beating people up to gain position on offense is extraordinary, and it's it's a credit to him. Uh, but I think that woke up Kofi Coburn. Obviously, Illinois had a chance there in Iowa City, but weren't able to get it. Then they come back to Champaign in a raucous crowd, and we didn't know it would be the last game of the year, David, but at least we got to end the year on that game that was, uh, I think, special. Um, you know, Even if you're just a college basketball fan, I know Iowa fans won't feel that way because they lost, but it was just a special matchup. But we thought we were going to get another one the next 
next week uh, at the Big Ten tournament. Uh, but they are two uh, different teams. I think Iowa's more similar probably from last year than what Illinois was. But uh, Iowa at number seven, 12 and three in the Big Ten, or 12 and three overall, six and two in the Big Ten. David, I, I think Iowa's kind of right where I thought they'd be. The, the best offense in the country, led by the best player in the country, and, and Luca Garza. Great offensive weapons around him. Defense, a little lacking, uh, but the offense is so good that most nights it doesn't even matter. So, how, how would you kind of grade uh, Iowa so far through 15 games? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I think probably a B plus, like you said. I mean, I was not even preseason. I was not going to sit here and try to convince you Iowa was going to be a top seventy five defense. I will say, I think there's been stretches this season where they actually look pretty dang good on defense. And when that happens, I've always said if Iowa can just play four or five good minutes of defense per half. I think they're going to be an incredibly tough team to beat. And with that being said, too, their offense has also been a big reason why they've lost the two of the three games that they lost. I mean, the Minnesota game they lost on Christmas Day, Iowa had a seven-point lead with 44 seconds left, and Marcus Carr just went absolutely bonkers, and the shots that he hit were ridiculous. But, you know, Iowa puts up 88 points against Gonzaga despite going four of 22 from three. And Jalen Suggs, a typically 30% three-point shooter, goes seven of 10, making everything contested, um, even four or five feet behind the three-point line. And I've said this, too, and I got a lot of flack from people about it. But after watching that game, I think Gonzaga's worst matchup in the country, it's Iowa, because <laughs> Iowa can score with them. And Gonzaga's not exactly a great defensive team either way. Even if you look at the Ken Palm, I think the eye test speaks for itself. But then you look at what happened against Indiana. In that first half of that Indiana game, I was basically waiting for Iowa to make a couple wide open threes. And if they got that double digit lead, I think the game's over. But credit Trace Jackson Davis and those guys for locking in. Uh, CJ Frederick obviously went out with that lower leg injury in the second half. Jordan Bohan has his worst shooting night of his career. And the offense became too reliant on Luca Garza. So like you said, I think Iowa's about what I thought. But, I mean, if Iowa's not hitting threes, they're they're beatable to about anybody. And that's the biggest key is can Jordan Bohannon bounce back? And if, if C.J. Frederick can't go, can guys step up? Yeah, and, you know, I had Iowa as one of the best teams in the country. And I, I remember I wrote my column, and I'm sure Iowa fans didn't like it, that the Big Ten title runs through Champagne, And I was wrong, right? I, I'm not right, at least for this moment right now. Um, I, I think Illinois still can do that. I think Iowa still can win the Big Ten. But I just didn't know if they'd be consistent enough defensively. Like, if they had – they're going to have some off-night shooting, even though they're one of the best – you know, shooting teams in the country, uh, but that's just going to happen. And can you win those nights? You don't do that. And I just haven't seen enough from them defensively, but obviously they're, mm -hmm. they're one of the best teams in the country. And I agree with you. I mean, they could, if they're hot for an extended couple of weeks, they could win the national championship, right? I, I think they're that good offensively for Illinois. I think David would be a C plus right now. And it, it's really come in the last couple of weeks. Um, the loss to Maryland at home was highly uh, disappointing. I know Maryland, knocked off Wisconsin as well but that's the weakest Maryland team we've seen it was a home game and then you follow that up with with a loss to a good Ohio State team that I think has a big matchup problem for Illinois and EJ Liddell but still that's that's a concern like you use two back-to-back -back mm -hmm. home games like that that's not what a Big Ten title team or a number one or number two seed does and for Illinois I don't think Iowa has this problem like Iowa is going to bring it every night right? Like it seems like they bring it, um, most every night. And I know some teams have some off nights, but Illinois just kind of had this, they think they've arrived already and you don't have to show up and 
have 100% effort against Maryland. That's not, as you know, that's not true in the Big Ten. Like any Big Ten mm-hmm. team can beat any, almost any Big Ten team. So Illinois had that issue. They have youth, right? They, they lost Andres Feliz, so I know Iowa fans probably respect for the toughness plays he made. Alan Griffin's now the go-to guy at Syracuse. He transferred out. And, and you're dealing with some growing pains with guys like Andre Crabell and Adam Miller. So there are stretches, and I think we've seen it against Northwestern when they had a 53-13 second half. We've seen stretches uh, against Duke, and I know Duke's not Duke this year, but they cruised that entire game where Illinois does look like one of the best teams in the country, but it's just not consistent enough. And to be a top 10 team like Iowa, you got to be more consistent. I'll say this too about, you know, whether people want to hang their hats on, you know, being Duke. I mean, Illinois could be a big reason why Duke's having the season they are. They could have broken their spirit because if you're a blue blood type program, I mean, you've covered college basketball long enough to know they could still have all talent in the world. But if you break them down early, I mean, it still is what it is. I think you look at what North Carolina has been able to do. They've kind of built back up the pieces. And I think for basically when they were going into Iowa, they'd already kind of struggled. So Iowa didn't exactly break North Carolina, but North Carolina has been able to bounce back with, with what they've been doing. And I, and I agree with you probably about Illinois. I still think that Illinois is one of the highest ceilings in the Big Ten as yeah. team. I still think they're a Final Four contending team if they can put it together. I think there's enough talent there with Kofi Coburn, the way he's improved his game. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying he was soft last year, but there were stretches, like you said, where I thought he just gave up position way too easily. He would foul. You're not seeing that problem this year. He is a grown man just dominating children, I think, at this point. Outside of maybe uh, Trav- Travion Williams, maybe, but that's about it. You and I, I don't know if we're going to do this or not yet, but like I, I think we're going to do is like we're doing like this matchup, like who who has the matchup advantage, and and Iowa has the matchup advantage at center, but they're like the only team in the country that could say that against Kofi Coburn, right? Like, um, Kofi, probably, yeah. Kofi is playing. Um, like an all Big Ten first teamer, and I think Illinois has got two of those guys right now. I think Io Desumu and Kofi Coburn probably would be two of the top five players in the Big Ten right now. It's just what do yeah. they get from the rest of the roster? Um, that's who steps up as the third and fourth, and can they be consistent options uh, for Illinois? But no, Kofi, I, I think he's been probably their best player for the last month during Big Ten play. Uh, he's he's been their best player, which is saying something. I mean, Io's yeah. had great second halves. But there's some first halves where he's not an All-American. So it's a high standard. Io's playing like a potential All-American, and he's the guy that, that can carry you for stretches. But it's just nobody in the country can match up with Kofi Coburn in, in the post. Like, Garza can stretch him out. Garza's going to get his. I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that, but like – he, he Garza is going to struggle to contain Kofi, right? Like at, at the rim, rebounding wise, it's just very few college players can match up like him. But the problem with Kofi uh, at the college level is what Garza will do to him, what EJ Liddell did to him. It's stretch him out, and, and if you can force him out of the paint, that's that's an uncomfortable spot for him. Yeah, and I think that's why I'm looking for Luca to do tomorrow. And I think you've seen Luca evolve his game, which you know, I'm not saying I thought it was impossible hanging into this season, but it's incredibly difficult. I mean, he is consistently shooting about 49% from three-point range. I mean, I I had heard rumors, and you know, I talked to a couple of people that he was doing workout tapes or whatever for the NBA you know, team, sending it off or whatever it was. He was shooting 80% in these workouts from three-point range. I'm talking 30 feet. I mean, he's capable of a point. If you look at what – I don't know if you watched the uh, Iowa-Iowa State highlights from earlier this season. He scored 25 straight points. He had six threes in about two-and-a-half-minute span. I mean, it was one of the more 
ridiculous things I've ever seen a center do. I see you tweeting like every night. He's got 20 points in like eight minutes or something. <laughs> he just goes on these stretches where it's, you yeah. know, he's got 30 points by halftime. It's like, what? That, that's just normal for him now. It's, it's crazy because every, even hanging this season, like there's nothing he's going to do where I'm going to sit back and be surprised about. And I think I watched him do 41 points on perfect shooting. I watched him put up 25 straight, including 20 in about – two minutes and I'm like, all right, well, I was wrong. But I'll say this, I've been waiting for Kofi to struggle. I mean, you know, there were games last year where he would dominate and then there'd be that letdown game or two. I've watched nearly every Illinois game. I have not really seen him have a letdown performance. I think he's been a there's been a couple minute stretches of where he struggled. But when he gets it going, I mean like you said, nobody can contain him. I I don't think Luca obviously won't be able to contain him, but Luca is incredibly strong and yeah. he's probably one of the more physically imposing guys that if they were going to trust one-on-one coverage, I believe they're going to do it to Luca. But also, if C.J. Frederick can't go, Luca cannot get in foul trouble. They need him on the floor. Otherwise, I think Iowa's going to be in big trouble. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Luca can really um, make Kofi work in the post. Unlike a lot, like the Big Ten in the post has gotten a lot worse. Where, where I think Kofi yeah. and Luca Garza, you know, a lot of those guys that were there last year, um, whether it's a Turu or Xavier Tillman, you know, I know Tillman was kind of the Garza stopper last year, the one guy who could do it. Um, those guys are in the NBA now. Um, I do want to say this before I get more to Coburn. Garza is what's great about college basketball, right? Like, I, I don't think anyone saw as a freshman. And even after he crushed Illinois, it's like, who's this Garza kid uh, as a freshman that, that's killing Illinois? The development he's made and to turn himself into this type of player, but also to have somebody like this there for four years and for Iowa fans to, to watch him break records and to do what he's doing, but also like Illinois fans hate him. And, and that's great because he's there for so long and he's so good mm-hmm. and you respect him so much and you... That, like they pick these little things like JJ Redick when he was at Duke, like they, they might hate his eyebrows or something like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it's what's great about college athletics and rivalries. And, you know, I, I can't, I don't know an Illinois fan that doesn't respect the heck out of that kid. Cause he's just, he's just so good. Uh, but Coburn, he has gotten a lot better in two ways. His back to the basket game. Um, has improved dramatically. It's not just a hook shot anymore. He's got counters. He's got a drop step he's using. uh, And his touch around the rim, he's shooting over 70% from the field this year, which is just ridiculous. Uh, But also, early on in the season, he would walk into games and get a double-double just because he's so big and so physically dominant. But now his motor is revving consistently at a high level and, and when you're that big you know he's got some explosion around the rim um it's it's just it's difficult to match that you, he's just physically so much bigger than everybody else all right david you kind of mentioned it. how has iowa around garza how have they gotten better this year i think number one they're deeper and they're healthier for the most part i know cj frederick obviously is questionable but i mean you look at Keegan Murray, I think, has surprised a lot of people in the Big Ten with what he can do off the bench. I think Jack Nungy is slowly but surely getting better. And, I mean, you talk about a kid who's going to be the next Jess Settles and be in an Iowa uniform for six, maybe even seven years. It's going to be him. Uh, he, You know, he lost his father, you know, right before the season, a few days before, sat out for the first two games. And that was a year after tearing his ACL five games in the season. Before that, he, uh, he, he redshirted. So, I mean, this has been a very long journey for him. So I anticipate him getting better. Jordan Bohannon's finally healthy for the first time since his true freshman season. His whole sophomore season, he had plantar fasciitis. He played 30-plus minutes a game through that, which was, I think, insane, first of all. But they had no other point guard at the time. 
Uh, Patrick McCaffrey can give you good spurts. I think Joe Toussaint played really well against Illinois last year. So I think, I think Iowa's just deeper right now and they're healthy. And I think that that's just the biggest difference. I mean, you look at the end of last season, it was Luca Garza. I mean, it was the Luca Garza show. Sure, Joe Wieskamp, you know, but Joe Wieskamp even struggled at the end of last season when CJ Frederick got things going a little bit. But I think you're seeing the pieces around Garza develop. I think you're seeing a healthier team. I think you're seeing a competent team. And I think you're seeing just an experienced team on top of it. And I also think Iowa's just gotten so much tougher on the glass, especially offensively. I mean, I don't think they've been outstanding defensively. I think they're seventh in the conference defensive rebound, which is one of their disadvantages. But I still think they're number one right now in rebound margin. And I watched them get out-rebounded by Southern in the second game of the season. I wrote, I said, this is a bad deal. I'm like, Iowa's entire entire starting lineup's bigger than almost everybody on their roster, and they're getting out-rebounded. But they've corrected that. I think they're mentally locked in for the most part. I think the only game they really weren't locked into was Indiana, but they said even afterward, Luca has many Tim Tebow moments, as everyone's been calling it. He said, I promise I'm going to hold us to a higher standard. I promise we're coming in focused every game. I'm the leader. I'm going to do that. Yeah. So I think Iowa's just got tremendous leadership. And if they can stay healthy and they can put together some decent performances on the defensive end, like I said, I think the sky's the limit, but I would say just health and experience are the two biggest things, and that's why Iowa's gotten better this year. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, I mean, I think Illinois is a better team than they were last year. Just maybe not as much better as people thought, but they're a far better shooting team. Last year, they were the worst in the Big Ten in three-point percentage, and they lost their best three-point shooter in Alan Griffin. Uh, But Io DeSumo has become a much better three-point shooter. He he struggled a little bit lately. Uh, But Adam Miller, uh, a top 40 freshman, has come in, and he's really gotten back on track after hitting a Big Ten wall early. He's a sharp shooter. can hit three or four a game. Trent Frazier, after a down year last year, starting to hit his average. Demonte Williams, um, who's better known for the fa- the forehead to forehead with Connor McCaffrey, <laughs> kind of Illinois tough guy, right? Um, more like Tucson. He's starting to hit threes. I mean, he's uh, through like. 12 games he was the best three-point shooter in the country which is just ridiculous this is a guy who didn't score for nine yeah. straight big 10 games <laughs> last year and all of a sudden he was leading the country in three-point percentage uh was unbelievable so they are a better shooting team they've added a couple guys in the wing um coleman hawkins a freshman out of prolific prep which is where jalen green and namari burnett played uh and yep. jacob grandison uh, who started the last game both those guys can stretch you a little bit at the four which is something they haven't had here uh recently so they are a better three-point shooting team and the metrics love illinois right like that's what's been interesting is the defensive metrics are better than last year their offensive metrics are far better uh than last year it's just they've had stretches against some of these teams where they just don't bring it and that's the difference i think between these two teams right now is you know iowa's got that leadership you know, I would assume there's certain first halves he usually brings it in the second half but there's certain first halves like He's not full All-American, and, and, and Garza usually is for the entire game. 
They mm-hmm. need that f- from Desumu, but it's just you got to bring that intensity. You got to know every night is a battle, and it's come back and and hurt Illinois often. Other times they've been able to overcome it just because they're so good that hey, they can get down fifteen to Northwestern and still win. They can get down uh, nineteen to four to Penn State and still find a way to win that game by seventeen. Um, you can't do that against good teams. They they figured that out against uh, Ohio State. They figured it out against um, Maryland, who's not even that good of a team. That you can't make up for that um turgeon flipped the script he used to never be able to win on the road now he can only win on the road yeah. it, it's been one of the more funny things to look at there and illinois is still a top 10 team in the net rankings too correct last and time or number nine yeah so and, that's, and a, that's what i mean the metrics love this team uh it's just yeah. it's just can they do it consistently and you know that's been the issue is that the, they've started off in such a hole that the last time we saw them they fixed that they put jacob grandison in the starting lineup he's kind of a guy who uh is a holy cross transfer gives them energy all the time on the glass really good passer um, allows them to attack zone defenses which i know iowa were on at times um so he's he kind of gave him a spark uh, to start that game. And then you got guys like Andre Curbelo, Georgie Bashanishvili off the bench uh, that, that can really um, you know, give you some energy. And, and for Iowa fans that haven't seen Andre Curbelo, he's something to watch, man. Uh, he, yeah, he's, he's going he's, he's gonna to be a future All-Big Ten guard. The passing and some of this. He, he's got such a unique swagger, I think, when I watch him play. And I, I anticipate him being an All-Big Ten guard in the future. I, I, and he, I think he's that fun to watch. He kind of reminds me the way he drives the hoop, like an, like an old-fashioned Tony Parker to some extent the way he'll just go around i'm like okay are you gonna lay it up no he's just gonna dribble around but then he'll make some ridiculous pass and it somehow ends up uh it just ends up working out yeah. but it, it i'm really interested to see if, if grandison starts just how what iowa's gonna do right off the gate how they're gonna try to i don't want to say neutralize kofi coburn i think they're gonna try to run illinois off the three-point line i think they're gonna force iowa and them to make mid-range jumpers and i think that they're gonna the biggest thing that I think Iowa's going to try to do and Luca's going to try to do is they're going to push Kofi off the block because the second Kofi gets positioned on the block, I don't think there's any player in the country that can stop Kofi Coburn. Um, so I, that's why I anticipate for Iowa, at least defensively. But I'll say this. You talk about guys that need to be consistent. I think Joe Wieskamp's the X factor for Iowa. Yeah. I think Joe Wieskamp's aggressiveness. I think Jordan Bohannon hitting threes. I wrote about this the other day. I wrote a column. I said Iowa's a contender when Jordan Bohannon hits threes. In all three of the games that Iowa's lost this year, he's a combined one for 20 from three-point range. Iowa's undefeated when he makes multiple three-pointers. So that's the common trend for me. But you look at, again, I'll go back to the Indiana game. Joe Wieskamp, I think, had 15 first-half points. I think 13 of them came in the first seven minutes. And I'm like, okay, this is sort of the Joe Wieskamp I was kind of waiting on. Iowa fans have been waiting on. That's and like Duncan Robinson, took- right? Like he's he can be Duncan Robinson yeah. in the NBA. That's what I always thought. yeah. yeah. And he, and he shot uh, – he only took two shots in the second half. I mean, whether whether or not – I think I think you saw us last year, and I think what frustrated C.J. Frederick and Joe Wieskamp when they played Illinois last year is they felt like they were getting, you know, grabbed. They were getting yeah. run off the block. And the, Illinois is playing physical with them. I think DeMonte Williams played a, a big part of doing that because that was his niche, I think, last yeah. year. And I think Joe's gotten better at trying to drive it to the hoop. I don't think he's going to be doing that against Kofi Coburn. I don't think I'm exactly going on a limb when I say that. Uh, but I think Joe Wieskamp has to be aggressive. And if Jordan Bohan hits threes and Joe Wieskamp's aggressive, if all three of those guys get going, I have a hard time seeing Iowa losing. And it's kind of crazy that I'm, I'm kind of hinging my bet on Iowa's offense working out yep. than Iowa's defense because I think myself and most people watch Iowa have just come to the expectation that 
I mean, they're not going to be a good defensive team. I mean, right. there's there's no realm of possibility. Like I said, if they can play good defense for eight out of the 40 minutes, that's about all they need to beat anybody in the country if their offense is flowing like the way it should and has this season. Yeah, Iowa certainly, Illinois cannot get into a three-point shooting contest, right? Like, they, they can't do that. They have to run those guys. They have to be physical, um, which is difficult, right? Because then you're giving Garza some space. Um, but I think you know Garza's going to probably get his. Um, so you got you got to stop everybody else uh, from scoring. And I do think Illinois has got the athletic uh, advantage and, and speed advantage uh, on the wing. So that's where they can really get into guys. Uh, you know, stop mm-hmm. them from dribble drive. And, and then you force Weiss camp into some twos, right? Some, some contested twos. If you make him go off the dribble, cause that's not uh, his game, but I was just so good at running what they run uh, that Illinois has got to disrupt that before they can get the ball uh, to Luca. I mean, we know that one of the keys is uh, Iowa slowing down Kofi too. I mean, that's what teams are focused on. Yeah. And they should, uh, if you get Kofi in foul trouble, Illinois is not a top 20 team. They, they, they just aren't. Um, he is he's the complete, he's the most important player on this team. I know that's weird because Io's going to be a draft pick probably next year and probably the, the All-American on this team right now. Uh, but teams double-team him, they've zoned him, um, and it's still not working all that well. And he's gotten better uh, with dealing with that too. And he's starting to pass it a little bit better out of those. So he's become better at, you know, understanding what he needs to do with how defenses attack him. Uh, and then I think it's Illinois getting up and down in transition. I know Iowa likes to play at, at a quicker pace, but I don't think they can keep up with Illinois' guards. I mean, Curbelo, DeSumo, Trent Frazier, those guys are blurs uh, in transition. So I think Illinois has got to, you know, obviously they got to dictate to their game, but that's where they can really take advantage is using their speed and quickness against a team like Iowa uh, that's so skill-driven. And that's you bring up an interesting point there too, because I think Iowa's half court defense, I think, has actually gotten better. I think Iowa's transition defense is what actually kills yep. them. But I'll say this, you know, and to kind of counteract, I think it's an, I think it's a big key for both teams because I think I look at Illinois' turnovers numbers. If they get it going, Jordan Bohan has two trademarks, I think, in this well, three trademarks. One, he's been here for forty seven years, and he <laughs> might be back next year. Who knows, right? Um, Talk about Jess settles, I think number, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think number two is Jordan Mohan transition threes. If he pulls up in transition, it's going in 90% of the time. It's a surprise when it doesn't go in. So if Iowa can get him a couple open looks, and I've seen the guy pull up from the logo in transition. I mean, he's not afraid to obviously let – I mean, you you know yeah. this. I mean, he's not afraid to let it fly. And I think clutch shooting, which I don't really need to expand on. I think him and Iowa have proven to be the top two – clutch guys in the conference. I think Geo Baker of old used to be probably in that category, but you know, I think injuries have kind of hampered that. So I think if CJ Frederick can't go, I think that's another big loss for Iowa in the transition, because again, he's another guy. If let's say Joe Toussaint gets the ball in transition, he's always looking back to see if CJ is behind him. And he, there's been multiple times this year and last year that he just hit him in transition. What, what but, is uh, that? What is that injury? If he can't go on Friday, what does that mean for Iowa? Well, I think they lose one of their biggest gamers. I think CJ is a one. I think he's going to be an All Big Ten caliber guard next year. I anticipate him being a top five scorer next year. If Joe Wieskamp goes, if Joran goes, and Luca goes, I mean, it becomes CJ Frederick's team. Yeah. I think if that happens, here's what I think Fran will do. I think he's going to go small. I don't think he's going to play Jack Nunji. I think he's going to leave him off the bench. I think that 
they're going to move Joe Wieskamp over to the two. I still think they, they're going to start Bohannon at the one. And I think they throw in Keegan Murray at the three. They're going to go for length and they're going to go for shooting. Keegan did a postgraduate year at DME Academy. So, I mean, I think that's why the transition's been a little bit easier for him. But like I said, I think he's been better than I thought. And I think a lot of people thought because he was not highly touted coming out of high school and DME. But He's a guy who I think is a 40% three-point shooter. He's right on the cusp of it right now. And I think if he can get it going from there too, that's going to open up the whole open up the whole offense. So for Iowa, I think they lose one of their better defenders too. I think Frederick, when he's fully healthy, is one of Iowa's best perimeter defenders. He can make things happen. And he's just not a mistake guy. I mean, I believe C.J. Frederick's assisted turnover ratio is about 8.5 to 1 right now. I mean, he's a guy who takes care of the ball plays within the system, takes smart shots and makes good things happen. So it's crazy that you would say this about Iowa's, I think, fourth leading scorer. But I mean, he, again, you talk about another X factor. I mean, he's a very X factor guy if Iowa's going to achieve the goals that they want to achieve this season. All right. Just one more for you. Obviously this is a huge game, but what's this game specifically mean for the Hawkeyes? I think that's the biggest game of the season. I think it's a gut check because they've been, you know, kind of sitting on that Indiana loss for the past eight days. They have not lost back-to-back games all year. They're in control of their own destiny, quote-unquote, for the Big Ten title. They have a really rough stretch coming up, four games the next ten days. They only get one shot at Michigan, too, and that's at the second-to-last game of the year. And I think beating Illinois heading into this incredibly difficult upcoming stretch, I think it would do wonders for the confidence, especially that – if, again, I'm saying if C.J. Frederick can't go, they can overcome that adversity and they can still make things happen. And I think that's going to provide them a huge confidence boost going down the stretch. And I think that if Iowa loses this game, I, I don't buy into the whole Fran, like Fran fade February, you know, whatever people call it nowadays. I know that teams have struggled. But, I mean, you also get in the midst of their most difficult part of the schedule year after year. Injuries taking effect. Iowa's really had some bad injury luck over the past couple of seasons with that. So, I think it's just a gut check time. I think if Iowa wins, all their goals are still in front of them. I think that if, if they fall, I don't think that's going to be completely, you know, red alert, all hands, you know, abandoned ship. But I think it would be a very, very deeply disappointing loss, especially since I think I meant to bring this up earlier, but I think Luca Garza is taking this game way more personally than any other game. He'll never say it. But remember, the last shot of his career was against could have been against Kofi Coburn yeah. blocking with 1.2 seconds left. I did a I did a huge feature about him this summer. They went right back in the gym. Him is you know very outspoken father Frank, who I you know he's he's a great guy, but he's a character. They ran a two hour workout, 1.2 seconds on a stopwatch. Ran from out of bounds, caught at the same spot, t- took advantage of different moves, practiced how he could have gotten the shot off. That's a play that stuck with him, and I think even that play alone played into a factor of Luca coming back for yeah. for his fourth year because whether people believe it or not. You know, they say he's not an NBA guy. I know this from very good sources. He turned down a seven-digit deal overseas, number one. Yeah. I don't care if you're an NBA guy or not. If you turn down seven digits he's to come back to your senior year. Yeah. And I got told that there were two NBA teams that were very much looking at him as a second-round pick, and one even guaranteed it. So he did give up a legitimate shot at playing in the NBA to go back to Iowa. Yeah, listen, I don't know if Luka Garza is a star in the NBA because who's he going to defend, no. right? But, like – Memento core made up a nice NBA career, right? Like, and that's, that's what yeah. Garza could do something like that. I mean, it's a very good comparison. Actually. <laughs> I think that's a great comparison. Yeah. I mean, they're just so skilled, so big that I think they can find a role. I mean, maybe it's a small role, but it's a, it's a role uh, in the NBA. I think you can copy and paste a lot of what you said about Illinois, but there, there should be more urgency 
uh, on Illinois' side. I, I think Iowa is lining up well for a top two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. Illinois needs a marquee win. Um, they need they need it desperately. And if they're going to be in the Big Ten title race, I think they have to win this game. Um, one, because you want the tiebreaker over Iowa. As yeah. you said, Illinois or Iowa only plays Michigan once. Illinois only plays Michigan once. So both those teams are going to have to beat Michigan most likely if they want to win the Big Ten. But Illinois also needs to leap Iowa. So that's important. Plus, just to get to seven and three. I mean, you get to six and four. Is Iowa or Michigan going to lose five games? I, I don't think so. So um, beginning of the season, I think we, I think we would have said it was going to be teams losing six games. But here's my other thing too, Jeremy, which I don't think people are talking enough about. If Michigan basketball does not come back, if Iowa or Illinois play a yep. full 20 game schedule, but they're down a loss in the market, what are they, what's the big tank going to do? <laughs> I think it's a nightmare scenario. I think yeah. what are they going to do? Say, Hey, you're going to travel here. It's winner take all. Whoever wins, wins the conference. They might have to do that because I don't know how Michigan's going to be able to make up those games. Well, we got our football precedents, right? Like Ohio State didn't play as many games and they won, right? Like, so I, I think they go with win percentage and that's not, might not be fair if, you know, Iowa or Illinois is only one loss behind but has mm-hmm. one more win, right? Like, that's that's going to be really difficult. On top for of that, Iowa and Illinois' schedule is so much more difficult than Michigan's. I'm, you know, I know it's the Big Ten. That, that's without a doubt the weakest Big Ten schedule that the Michigan has. Well, it, it's kind of crazy looking back now. And Illinois did have one of the weakest schedules. Now, they haven't had Nebraska mm-hmm. yet, um, and they were supposed to play Nebraska twice, so that game got postponed. So they got two of those to make up, so you hope those are two wins if you're an Illinois fan. But just like Iowa, this is the, Illinois' toughest stretch of the season. They got Iowa at Indiana, who they beat already, home against Wisconsin at Michigan. So if you don't beat Iowa, all of a sudden you're down three of your last four games you've lost, and then you have three of your toughest games remaining on the schedule. Yeah. So this is this is a tone center. And for me, for a team that understandably thought of itself as a top 10 team, for a team that kind of has gone through the beginning of the season like it had already arrived, now it's a prove-it game. This, this is a prove-it. Like, are you really what – we made you out to be me saying the uh, the title runs through Champagne. Uh, all Illinois saying, "Hey, yes, we're one of the best teams in the country." Now you got to prove it. Friday night in prime time on national television. It's time to show it. And I, yeah, and I think that's an excellent point. I I almost went there with Iowa. I think Iowa still has enough good performances and wins against pretty decent teams. Where I'll say. I don't think anybody's going to question them as probably a top 10 team in the country. Even if they lose this game, I still think that they're, you know, I think they're one of the worst matchups in March. But you talk about, again, a difficult stretch coming up. Iowa, uh, in a 10-day stretch, host Michigan State, host Ohio State, and then goes at Indiana. Then three days later, they're, they're hosting Rutgers. And Rutgers is going to be mad as all heck that mm-hmm. they couldn't close out Iowa at the rack. So, Maybe a prove-it game for Iowa. I wouldn't classify it as that, but right. uh, I definitely think for both teams it's the most important game on the schedule so far. Yeah, and I still think Illinois, even if they lose to Iowa, is a dangerous team that can that can accomplish yeah. a lot once the tournament comes around. But yeah. um, I think all those Big Ten title hopes are top three seed. I think we just kind of push that aside unless they go on some huge uh, winning streak. All right, David, who you got? <sighs> Man, I'm gonna change my pick probably three more should times. Should I go? Tomorrow. Should I go first? Go do it, do it. Do no, it. I, I'm I'm gonna say prove it for Illinois. I think I think Iowa is the team that's brought it more consistently. I, I think Garza is the guy who's been locked in. I like his leadership. I do think 
This is such an interesting matchup. We just broke down the contrast of these teams. The last year's battles were so good. I think this is a good game. Um, I think if it was a runaway, I think Iowa is more likely the team to, to win in a runaway, but I don't think it'll be that. Um, but I, I just think Iowa's brought it more consistently. They've been the more consistent team. So I would pick them to win in a close one. I don't know if that takes, takes the heat off you now that I have Illinois fans upset. <laughs> I'll say this. I think I don't think either team wins by more than five points unless it's barring free throws and which, fouling at the end. Which for um, us reporters, let's let's sure hope so, man. I, I, yeah. I th- Those two yeah. games last year were some of the most fun I've had covering sports. Yeah, you and I were time. sitting, I think we were sitting at each other and like halfway through, like 10 times throughout the game, we just kind of stared at each other like, this is so awesome. It's awesome. I mean, it, was, it was awesome. I think I'm going to pick Iowa for experience, but I'm not comfortable with it. If CJ, if C, if I guarantee that CJ Frederick was playing, I probably would have said Iowa. I think that he is that important to this team. I think Jordan Bohannon's going to come out, and I think he's going to hit at least five or six threes. I cannot see him having a bad game. That's nothing against Illinois' defense. I think they can frustrate him. If they hold him, I'm not going to be surprised. But with the way he played against Indiana, I think nobody, maybe besides Luca Garza for the reasons I already said, nobody's going to be hungrier to get back out in the court than Jordan Bohannon. So I'm going to go Iowa 82-77. I also think that Luca is going to play a lot more in the block just to try to get Kofi in foul trouble because yeah. that's exactly what he did last year. And I would be very surprised if Luca had not prepared a personal scouting report against Kofi and practiced that about how to attack him. And, you know, he's a basketball junkie as yeah. I've ever seen a college player be as far as history, knowledge of the game, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll go Iowa by five, but man, if if, in, if Illinois ends up winning, it's not going to surprise me in the least. Yeah, uh, Trent Frazier against Bohannon will be a very interesting battle because Trent gets into people. Uh, Bohannon obviously can go off on people, so that's going to be maybe an under-the-radar uh, one-on-one battle yeah. to watch uh, as well. Any, any uh, final remarks here about this game? I'm just I'm just sad we don't have a full stadium packed full of fans for this yeah. one, and I'm sad there's only one of these. So even if... Um, you know, both these teams, I hope they can link up again in the Big Ten tournament. It, uh, hopefully there is a Big Ten tournament. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. I'll say this. I've never felt, you know, I try not to feel bad for the people that I, I cover <laughs> necessarily. I feel bad for the team, though, that, I mean, this is probably the best basketball team Iowa's probably had in 30 years, and the fans aren't going to be able to see any bit live. They have to all watch it on TV. So I think that's really unfortunate, especially with all the storylines surrounding Iowa. These guys have been around forever. I mean, the great, they can't watch the greatest player in school history right. in his final year live. And I think just for Luca, I think Luca deserves it. And again, I'll repeat this for the Illinois fans. No matter what happens in this game, I still think that they can make an elite eight. I still think they can make a run. I'm not going to go national title contender. I think they're an elite eight contender. I think they have a possibility to make the final four, depending on the draw and how hot they they can get down the stretch. But I still think they're one of the more dangerous two-way teams in the country, yep. especially if they get locked in. And yep. I think that's the big, like you said, that's the biggest thing. I agree with that. And then the freshman growing up a little bit and being consistent. But uh, I can't wait for it. Friday night, 8 p.m. FS1. David Eichel, always appreciate the time, my man. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it, man. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. 
Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.